0: Greetings and welcome to the pod. My name is Mark West. As you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you know the name Shane Gould. Shane is the only person to hold every freestyle world record from 100 to 1500 metres and the 200 metre individual medley record simultaneously. She is the first female swimmer to win three Olympic gold medals in world record time and the first swimmer to win Olympic medals in five individual events in a single Olympics. She's also the only Australian to win three individual gold medals at a single Olympics. But did you know, she's also now a card-carrying member of the Ocean Swimmers Union. Yes, I know there's no Ocean Swimmers Union, but she swims as often as she can in the ocean at Bicheno in Tasmania. But not only that, Dr. Shane Gould has completed two master's theses and a doctorate on the role of swimming in Australian culture runs swim courses, and is involved with surf lifesaving. So she knows a little bit about swimming. I started by asking Shane if she'd always considered herself an ocean swimmer.
1: Well, I think I probably have, but but ocean swimming, not in the sense of, you know, we understand ocean swimming these days. It's, uh, I grew up in Fiji and... Spent a lot of time, you know, with my father and mother and sisters, uh, swimming in around Coral Island. You know, we used, my dad liked to go fishing and we'd we take a picnic on his little boat and and swim and snorkel, and then uh, you know in rivers and creeks, and as well as swimming pools, hotel pools, because my dad worked in the the, um, the travel industry. Uh, but I actually my first. Uh, Immersion was probably in Sydney Harbour because my parents lived at uh, near near Vaucluse and on Sydney Harbour. So, so yeah, I I wasn't afraid of it. And then as a, fa- a family when I was a teenager, and we used to go to the beach like a lot of Australians do on a Sunday and and um, body surf. And my older sister taught me to be brave in, <laughs> in the waves. And so, uh, but it was more about the body surfing and. Uh, not so much about, and just cooling off. You know, not, not, not really about swimming beyond the waves, parallel. You know, for distances like like ocean swimming is more defined now.
0: There's a great quote that uh, you didn't like to swim too far from the shoreline, which is a funny thing to hear from a, <laughs> a champion swimmer.
1: <laughs> well, that that was initially, and a, you know, a lot of people say to me, you know, when I talk to them about swimming in the ocean, say, oh, I'd love to go, but I'm scared about what's out there. And I said, look, I was too. And, and you need to acclimatise to it and and get, get used to it, uh, but, and and overcome those irrational fears, but sometimes they are quite rational. So you have to be comfortable when you, when you go in. So, so when I started off, I just swam really close to the shore. In fact, where I could touch that, touch the bottom with my hands. Uh, I was that worried about it. That was at, um, Preverly, Beach in Margaret River in my forties and, as I got braver, you know, and if I got frightened by something, some shadow or seaweed or, you, know, you run into seaweed or something and, and you know, I'd just stop and have a look at it and, you know, co- cognitive behavior therapy.
2: <laughs> yep, the yep.
1: be, be rational. Um, or if I'd, then I went a little bit deeper and I'd dive down and if I saw something that was a bit scary and have a look and think, oh, okay, well, that's the shadows at this time of the day and, and the... Um, a little fish darting, it, darting it in amongst that sort of seaweed and with that that type of rock, you know. So, so from and then then as I got a bit deeper, I would swam between two people. <laughs> I asked them, Look, I'm a bit scared. Uh, can I can I swim between you? And they said, No worries here. So, so after a while, it, it didn't bother me at all. But it did did take probably a year or two of um, of swimming in different places to to be. To be comfortable, um, uh, and now now it doesn't really worry me at all. It's just it, it's more you know swimming around in, in Bishano. It's pretty wild ocean, and not not many people out there. But um, I always swim with other people, and not not too far from them. And um, we sort of sort of know our area, but uh, but but it's more about safety now because I teach you know, teach people about teach water safety and you know, staying staying comfortable and safe in the ocean and part of it is is never swim alone so I know, know there's a lot of people who like to swim alone when they're doing wild swimming uh, but I, I always tell people and, and follow that adage you know always swim with other people so that that gives me comfort as well when I'm swimming and a few hundred metres from shore, across an open space between an island and the and the land, it's serious serious wild swimming. But you know, if you take precautions and and face your fears, and, and sometimes the the ocean looks dark and grey, and I think mm, it's a bit suspect today. I think I'll just swim
0: parallel to the shore. <laughs> well, that's serious advice. Yeah,
1: yeah it, it is. It, it it really is because it's you know you, it's, you know drow- drowning is caused by lack of breath so. So as soon as your mouth goes under or, you know, you get a cramp or, you know, I'm getting on a bit now, who knows how my heart, heart is going to play up or if any of my friends are going to, you know, be, um, have a problem with their heart or get cramped and panic. You know, like there was one lady who, who isn't an experienced swimmer and we actually taught her to swim in her 50s and, you know, she's run into jellyfish and realised she's got a, an allergic reaction to jellyfish. So, you know, she was... She went swimming one day and her own, ran into a jellyfish, and she had to find her way back to the shore. And we berated her. I said you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be. Doing, you shouldn't be there on your own. And so, um, yeah. So, so there's, there's very real, um, very real uh, things that can happen, and things that that are un, unexpected, like 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 running into a jellyfish that you didn't know you're allergic allergic of.
0: Yeah, and that must be pretty great comfort for your swimming mates to be out there swimming with you. Do you have to swim twice as slow?
1: Well, yes, um, yes. (laughs) Yeah, uh, quite often, um, uh, uh, you know, if 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 I'm the fastest swimmer in the group, well, I'll just double back and stay close. Stay, like I said, within 10 or 20 metres of of the rest of the group. And I'll zigzag or loop back or... um, yeah, stay stay pretty close and, and sometimes when people join us, you know, if I cut across their, their tail or if I cut it too fine in front of them, they sort of stop and in shock, you know, what what are you doing there? And the others say, Oh, that's just Shane, she's just lapping us <laughs> <laughs> And you know, so 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 they, they get used to that too. But um uh yeah, yeah, so so it doesn't really matter know, that I'm not going in a straight line as long as I just stay stay together with a group and that that's how how people of different um speeds can can stay together as a group you know if, you, if you're not not dead set on getting a nice straight line on your GPS map
2: <laughs> yep. uh,
1: you can uh, it's quite interesting that the patterns you can make uh, doing, you know, doing 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 loop de loops and zigzags.
0: Try and spell your name or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right yeah.
0: <laughs> and are, are you still competitive? Do because I noticed you organised the, the devil of a swim or, or started that off? Are you still yeah. competitive in your swimming?
1: Oh, look, I think, I think I do. You know, you know, sometimes we have little spontaneous races like children do, um, you know, sort of between two swimming boys, uh, two, two boating boys, you know, and because we swim amongst the boats, there's you know, between two and five boats that, that fishing boats that moor in the bay that we swim in those bright pink mooring boys, and sometimes we'll do triangles or you know, back to, you know, from one to another. And so we'll say, okay, let's have a race. <laughs> yeah. And if I know it's about, if it's, if it's more than about 40 metres, I'll, I'll win. But if it's less than 20 metres, I know I won't win. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if I, if, I, if I say, okay, let's have a race to that, that boy, I know I'll win. So yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. But yeah, yeah, little spontaneous races, or when, when you're just, you know, swimming beside someone. You know, if you're on, on a longer track, say a, a 600 metre track, with a destination, and you know, you you, you press the button a bit and you know, sort of press the pedal down and go a bit, and the other one, someone you're swimming next to, they'll speed up and then they'll speed ahead of you, and then you catch up and then you race and.
2: Yeah. Yep. So,
1: so it's that that sort of racing that, that that's really spontaneous and quite fun, and can end up stopping, at laughing, and having it having a great, great time. But as far as um, events go, I I did quite a bit of masters swimming for about six or seven years in the um, early 2000s. and and I took up ocean swimming races. And I did the Rottnest swim about seven times, and oh, wow. um, and I did quite a few. Yeah, quite. A, I never as a solo. Um, I think three times as a duo and four times as a team of four, and that that was a real education and really really good to do. Then I did a few Sydney swim uh, races, you know, the um, the big swim around Palm Beach and uh, to Whale Beach and uh, the Cole Classic a few times. Yeah, so so that, that was a an interest. You know, just a personal interest and a personal challenge, and to put a different perspective on on what what swimming could be. You know, as an older person, and and, and having been a pool swimmer, and you know being so well known, it was actually a good way to for, for me personally to, to have another challenge. So you had to learn new things, and you had to. Um, Uh, have experience new new experiences and that that was the spice of um of of you know doing a a daily or you know regular regular swim to um to be fit for those uh, those events
0: when i when i told my dad i was i was having a chat to you he, he related this story of one of his friends that did the Cole classic, and I think this might have been embellished mm-hmm. slightly over time about how Shane Gould, in a luminous yellow swimsuit, grabbed his legs to get past him, and uh, that was the only <laughs> way she could beat him. So that, I, I got a feeling that might be a little embellished, yeah. but uh... <laughs> uh,
1: no, it pro- probably was because uh, you know I used to used to mess about with people, you know, and sometimes people got too serious or they would zigzag in front of you, and you know i be kicking, you know, and you'd get. They pause, and you get kicked in the face, and your goggles would come off. And so I don't know if, if that was part of the story too, if he did that, or if <laughs> I was just me- messing, me- messing with him and just grabbed his ankles and uh, like a random marker board or something. But, <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I do do things, but it, things like that. But it's it's not not cheating, but um, but yeah, I, I have had some fun, some some fun with. Uh, in, in those races. So so this is the, the, the long answer to the to your question, am I competitive? And yes, I am, am competitive but in a in in a fun fun way. And um I don't don't mind being beaten and but I do do enjoy winning and but having but, but it's the racing. It's so those spontaneous little races and um that uh, that, that really juice me, you know, when um well, juice me now but but yeah. also when I was doing the the more formal, organized um, ocean swimming races and masters and the master's pool races too
0: do you think it was the, the competition that, that missing the competition that brought you back to swimming, or did you never really leave swimming just just not the formal races?
1: No, I think the reason why I started swimming again was my marriage had broken down and uh, and a swimming pool was built in Margaret River, so I was living in Margaret River at the time, and there was no, no pool until one thousand nine hundred and ninety seven. And I was asked to do a a lap, (laughs) Uh, a a, a lap at the opening of the pool. And then they had a a swimming race, of course. And I was up against the butcher and the chemist and and one of the farmers and and, uh, a champion surfer. And so so we had a good old laugh there, but I had to be sure I won. So I I started, (laughs) I I swam a little bit in in, in the river to, to get a bit of fitness. And then once the pool was open, um, uh, people came out, and no, our swimmers came out of the woodwork. A lot of them were surfers. Some of them had would been school swimmers and club swimmers, and they established a little um, adult swimming group, and we just met, met three times a week, and I joined that. So that was a good way, you know, as I was you know, make, making new, new social groups you know, with the breakdown of my marriage. Uh, and and that just went on from there. And then, of course, the, the Rottnest Swim uh, was a popular thing in Western Australia and got invited to, to be part of a fundraising team to do that. Then our swimming group in Margaret River put together a few teams over the years. So so that's how I got back into it. It was more circumstantial. And But, you know, I had surfed for many, many years. Uh, from when I was about 17, I surfed a kneeboard and then took up Stand up surfing when I was about thirty six, okay. and uh, so I was out in the ocean. I, I was familiar with the ocean, but I was a- always had the board or some flippers, and I just catch catch waves with with flippers in the, the shore breaks. Yeah, so so I was quite familiar with with being in the ocean, but in in a different way. So actually, swimming, you know, I had to go right back to that that story I've told earlier of getting confident of just being me, me and my body. In, in the water and not, uh, not not the surfboard underneath me, to and, and gain confidence with, with the goggles on, actually seeing what was in the water.
0: Because you do a lot of work in swim schools and drowning prevention and and all that sort of thing. Is that fed by that same yes feeling? Yes.
1: So, so all all those all those years that I was raising my kids and living in Western Australia, I was there for nearly thirty years and. I taught swimming and a lot of the swimming lessons were in the ocean until the swimming pool was built. So, so, you know, I often had to wade through thick, <laughs> thick seaweed, uh, you know, and get, get my you know, 10 year old you know, to come, come with me and say, Oh, there's not, it's all right. Nothing there. And I'm thinking, I, I hope there's no crabs or, you know, flounder or, <laughs> or gummy sharks un, underneath here or, um, so I had to be brave for them to get them beyond that, that all that, that weedy water sometimes, and so 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 yeah. So being in the ocean, um, I was in, in there and in, for different reasons in different ways, and so it kind of morphed then in the you know the, the late nineties to to doing this this very popular activity now of ocean swimming.
0: It really is, isn't it? Do, you, do your children swim as well?
1: Uh, they all surf. Right. Uh, my daughter, uh, loves to go to the beach and just swim around in the, in the, the water just, she's uh, her, her children, her son's a surfer on the central coast and her daughter, she likes to swim out and jump off rocks and catch the surges and, and, um, run in the water and smash herself in the shore break, um. Yeah, so but there's my three sons. They're all very good um, surfers. In fact, one of them, Tom, was a professional surfer. He was on the the World Championship uh, World Qualifying Tour wow. for for a number of years. So so they were more surfers. So they they're very attracted to being in the ocean, but more as not more interest in the waves or the or the fish fishing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they were they got the aquatic um, genes yeah, clearly.
1: Yeah, that's right. And their dad, you know, was a very keen surfer, and that, that he introduced me to surfing, and uh, you know, so, so that became a family activity. Uh, but but swimming, you know, swimming really wasn't apart from school swimming carnival for my for my kids.
0: I read a great story of uh, when you were doing Survivor, and speaking of competitive, you won Survivor, which is amazing. Uh, that you trained up yeah. all the uh, you trained all the Fijian lifeguards when you were over there. Is that right?
1: Surf Life Saving Tasmania trained uh, trained the lifeguards, but I I have been before Survivor. Uh, I spent oh, about ten years going to Fiji and teaching um, water safety. And swimming skills, and to the uh, resort resort staff, okay. and school teachers and trainee school teachers. So, so that work was separate. But the the survivor um, the survivor water safety people, some of them came from Tasmania, and they trained the locals. And, uh, and, and in, in the future, in fact, fact we were going to be there this month, and and again in August to to work with the survivor crew to do more swimming skills and water safety skills with the uh, the people who work on Survivor but uh this COVID nineteen has um yeah, it's put got a that. pause to that. But but definitely whenever that starts up, yeah, you know, we'll do it again. But but it was funny, you know, on, on Survivor, um one of the guys who was one of the the lead teachers and, and head lifeguard, he was actually a, a, a member of my surf club in Bishano.
0: Oh right in Bicheno, <laughs> <in Bishno. laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't tell, I didn't, didn't tell the, uh, the the producers, and he didn't tell the producers either. But it was so nice, just you know, on, on one of the games, <laughs> the games to to see see this guy putter past and just sort of winked and nodded, and he said, "You're doing great, Shane." And it was it was just a real real encouragement to to see someone I knew. <laughs> <laughs> That that game, that about that day 40, when you think, am I going to survive this? No.
0: That's, um, yeah. But yeah,
1: yeah, so that, but but, Sur- but Surf Love Saving Taz, uh, I've got a connection through club membership and yeah, it, an intention to do more with them. So I haven't really been involved much with the surf club. I, I was a member of the um, Cronulla, North Cronulla Surf Club when I, I lived there in 2004, 2005. We were on and off and, and I went into the, the Aussies you know, yep, it's, a, yep. it's a member of North, North uh, Cronulla. So, look, I've had, just stepping back a bit from those details, I've had a lot of experience in the water in, in so many different ways. You know, like as a little tacker, just being an Australian family, going to the ocean beaches and harbour beaches and swimming pools and, and growing up in Fiji and, and then getting involved with club and competitive swimming, school swimming, and then. Course, going the whole way to the Olympics and then surfing, ocean swimming and master swimming. And so it was interesting to me to study this. <laughs> so about that, that six years ago, I started a, a, a doctoral thesis after doing a, a couple of master's theses with swimming, swimming themes. It, it's just a, a really interesting subject because I, I thought that um, from my experience at all those things, as a, as a kid, as a teenager, and as an adult and then an older adult, you know, uh, I had perspectives that, that other people didn't have. And I thought I could bring those perspectives to try and you know, do a, a study, you know, an, an academic study of, of what is this thing that's um, called swimming in Australia. So it became a cultural study. So I was really looking at swimming as culture.
0: You did quite a lot of study there because if back when you were younger you were swimming a lot and now you've done two masters and a PhD so there's, there's a lot of academia there just to, to do all that. Mm. Your PhD is on the culture of, of swimming in Australia. I know you have, you've had some publications and some coming out later which are embargoed but what, what's your general thesis? What, uh, what are you looking into?
1: Well, there's probably several aspects. It's, it's quite an unusual design of a thesis. Because it um, it covered so many different areas, and no one's really looked at at swimming critically. Uh, so there's all these wonderful reports from the Royal Life Saving Society and Australian swimming coaches, and Ausswim and surveys and and you know the Swimming Australia reports, and but no one's really looked at it critically. So I was just wanting to see well how I've, I ended up looking at how it's organised. Yep. You know, who, who are the players? And there's so many different organisations. And, and then there's big, big sweeping statements like, swimming is this in Australia's cultural DNA, or Australia is a nation of swimmers. So they're, they're big cultural statements. I think, well, are we? You know, if you have a look at the drowning, drowning statistics, and then you see people swimming or so-called swimming at the beach, they're really just standing upright. And when they do swim, yep. they're not swimming very far or very well. And so I wanted to critique these things and say, well, are we <laughs> are we kidding ourselves to have this identity? So, so sw- being able to swim and swim well is, is a national identity narrative. So I was examining the, the, the narrative about Australians being swimmers, which is, you know, sw- swimming pictures are used so often to depict an Australian way of life or something that's uniquely um, Australian. And I thought that was just a a really interesting thing. So I had to look into it. So I used a lot of photos and I travelled all over Australia and just asked a lot of questions. And like I said in the beginning, everyone seems to have a swimming story. A lot of it is... And a lot of people say, I'm not a very good swimmer. So they must know what a good swimmer is or they're judging themselves about... You know, against some, some measure that they think that they should be a good swimmer because if you're Australian and you don't swim, well, are you Australian? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are,
0: the, are the swimming stories different across the country? Are they different on the coast, to in, inland or in the cities?
1: That's a good question. People had a back, who had a background in swimming presume, were very presumptuous. So they presumed that because they knew about pool swimming or swimming at the beach, they presumed everyone would know that. So that, that was rather interesting. But there was other other people who hadn't had ocean swimming experience but had learnt to swim, you know, and, and and had a really bad experience of learning to swim in a pool and been frightened or bullied or, you know, just got stuck on their breathing or their floating or had some fear that they couldn't overcome with the, the teacher that they had. And so they have this really negative perspective of it. So they don't really under, understand you know, the experience, the, the wonderful experience of swimming. So so that's been some of my work actually. Um, probably from, from my work in CG and then working with my husband Milk Nelms uh, overseas and Sweden we've been doing a lot of work there. We developed a program called Gilavattin which was to teach teachers how to teach people who are scared of the water. So, so fearful swimmers or people who are scared of you know, being in the water—that's become my specialty. Okay. Um, so, so pr- pr- probably there's, and the, so there's all this range of pe- people who have had lots of experience, and they they just can't—they you know, they, they, they they're presumptuous that, that every, because every because they've had the experience, they everyone else should have the experience too. But a lot of people have not had that experience of being suspended, of being able to take their feet off the bottom. And be able to move around comfortably without having the bottom right there to, to touch or the sides. So, uh, so it's a big, big range and it doesn't seem to be, um, obviously more in- inland. There's, there's a lot more river stories and I didn't know much about river swimming. So I spent quite, I spent a couple of weeks touring through the New South Wales, through all those lovely rivers, the Macquarie and the, the Darling and the, the Murray and, and um, talking to people who, who were swimming. And I saw this sign as we drove past, the, the sw- swimming culture of Australia, sw- swimming capital of Australia. And it was pointing to these lakes on uh, the Murray River, uh, Yarrawonga, and the swimming capital of Australia. And I, I, blow me down, I didn't stop and photograph the sign because when we came back past there, the sign was gone. But there are 5,000 members of, um, of a water skiing club at Lake Yarrawonga, but they call that swimming. Yeah, right. Okay. So it the swimming capital, <laughs> capital of Australia, in the sense, you know, in, in, in rivers. And I thought, well, okay, so, so coastal people you know, have one perspective, but the inla- people who are inland and live in, and play on rivers have a totally different perspective.
0: aspect of it too must be pretty interesting even down at the local pool, my local pool is Canterbury pool in in Sydney and you go there and if it's a busy hot day most people are just playing, there's a few people doing laps but most people are just playing we don't talk about that all that much but I think that's a big part of the culture
1: Exactly, yeah that's something, you know, as a a researcher and and just a curious person, you're just noticing you start to see patterns and you know, so it's observation Observation is part of research and then, then you, you, know, you have, to have to go and test it to see how, how it, if it's just a, a spurious correlation
2: yep, yep. You
1: know, or, or if you're just incline, inclined to, to see a pattern that, that suits your suits you conclusion. When I, I did a master's in environmental management and I looked at public space, swimming pools as a public space. And it could have been a skate park, it could have been a footy oval, but i I just chose swimming pools as a public space and what I did was I looked at you know what people were doing in that space, so I spent forty hours you know looking at three different sites in in Launceston. And, and I thought at the same time i'll I'll just calculate how much people are swimming and swimming and I calculate you know had to define the word swimming, and that's been a big thing for ten years. What is swimming? Yeah. Um, and so I decided, okay, well, anything that looks like someone's off, no, off, off forty-five degrees towards horizontal, and sort of doing some sort of movement to interact with the water with their you know, with their feet off the bottom. And so I watched. The, I was watching teenagers, and they swam. For in, in, in a 40 minute time period that I was watching them they swam for 20 seconds right in 40 minutes that, that they were at the swimming pool and uh, and but they were it was in chunks of like three to five seconds so when they were actually at the they were at the pool they weren't actually swimming you know as as as, as as you and I would think swimming is horizontal, face in the water, you know, doing, doing laps for a period of time. So, so that made me think, my God, maybe this is why people are drowning because they're not swimming, they're not practising. They, they might have got their swimming certificate when they were you know, 10 or 11 years old at the end of primary school to say they could swim 50 metres. But then without practising, Uh, you know, they get to be 16, 20, 30, 40, 50, and they think, oh, yeah, my certificate tells me I can swim. But they get into trouble because they really can't swim, and you have to practice to keep improving, and you have to practice to to maintain a, a, a certain fitness of swimming. So this was really concerning to me when I saw this, you know, that there was basically... 1% One percent of the time that those teenagers were in the water they were actually swimming in some some sort of way to to um, to be mobile and um, uh, lo- locomotion yeah. in tra- traveling somewhere yeah so 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 that that became another impetus to 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 look at it further and then I realized okay well the swimming pool so, so most of the people at swimming pools are like you said, doing um, a, a messing about, messing about in the water, and and that that's really nice. But they're not actually swimming, and and that's a dilemma to me. You know, so people don't want to be part of a club, or well, they don't want to do laps, which is a for some people is pretty pretty boring, or for some people it's a wonderful experience of you know, med- meditation and sense of well being. But for some people, they you know, that they can't see the point. Yep. And you see, you see a, a six or see a fourteen, fifteen or sixteen year old, you know, messing about in the in the play pool and then they go inside to the to the um, lap pools and think, Oh, we're nearly adults, so maybe we should be swimming laps, you know, and they do a few laps and I think, Oh, that's not very interesting yep. <laughs> and they kinda of don't know how to use the space. And so this these observations that I've had have um have repercussions for swimming pool design. And the policies that we've seen recently politically is that you know, the government wants to throw money at infrastructure and to build swimming pools. Well, maybe we should rethink the type of swimming pool that's being built because those people, certainly there's a lot of people who do do that. There are competition swimmers, there's... Um, um, club swimmers, there's people who love the fitness and, like I said, the, the meditation of, of the breathing and the movement, you know, going back and forward. And but swimming pools, you know, might, might need to get creative about how we design pools to encourage people who aren't actually locomoting and actually swimming in a way that they might need one day. Yeah. Uh, and get a realistic perspective, but but do it in a way or. You know that that can encourage people to to travel more, but but do it in a in a more playful way than 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 the the more set you know set, set distances. So I think that's a real challenge for for swimming pool designers, and it's not something I've got some ideas about. But um...
0: there's another thesis for you. <laughs> Hook up with some architects and some
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, yeah working with a, a lady who works with an architectural company in in um, uh, San Francisco. Yeah, just just looking into into that. Yeah, and and then learn to swim pools. You know, you see so many so many swimming pools, uh, pu- public pools, that are too deep for swimming lessons. So yeah. so the you know the Cook the Cook and Phillip pool is for those that know it in uh, in the centre of Sydney near near St Mary's Cathedral and Hyde Park. they that's a that's a fantastic pool, perfect for lessons. And for a couple of years, uh, milton and I did um, did some teacher training there, lessons, and you, you used used that that shallow water. So it's a beach entry. So I think every single swimming pool around Australia should have a beach entry because that's the best way for young children to learn how to swim, and even adults. You know, adults who are scared, you know, who are coming back to it, you know. Or, or introducing themselves uh, to it again, because you can lie down on your tummy with the water lapping around your your back and your legs, but your your tummy's on the bottom, or your hands are on the bottom. And you know that that beach entry, you can can walk into it, feel the water lift you. You know, get that sense of that that wonderful sense of buoyancy that you will only feel in the water, or if you're in space. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, that that lightness of being. And you know, walking in to where it's a little bit deep, deeper, you get lighter and lighter and lighter. Then walk out again and feel yourself heavy, and go go back and forth And then then when you're upright. And so I, I think all pools you know, should have should have that um, that beach entry air, and that's where the swimming lessons should occur, and and then then the play the, the play afterwards.
0: Yeah, it it makes a lot of sense, and you'd think. Like for a little while, we weren't building big community pools like that, and uh, people weren't having pools in their backyards because it, you know, it's expensive and there's not much land. But but if we're starting to rebuild these things, then that it sounds like we it does need to be rethought.
1: I think so. Yeah, yeah.
0: And there's also the community aspect as well. I guess I I was reading in in, in Teresa's book your your chapter in the memory pool about your experiences at Pimble Pool. They sound like they're mm-hmm. quite uh, they're quite formative years, really, like uh, as, a, as a place where you grew up?
1: Yeah. You know, the, the pinball pool was where I did all my winter training for the three years that I was, you know, the, on, on the top of the world in swimming. So I spent many, many hours there. And even though it was a, a dank, you know, moist, <laughs> um, uh, ugly industrial building, there was uh you yeah, the swimming experience can be very social, and that that's what i you know what what I like most about my ocean swimming now is uh is the social interaction it's it's going down there and, and joshing and jo- joking with your friends and or you know supporting them through a, a you know a difficult time or just sitting around and enjoying the the beauty of nature and or the rain or the cold or you know the sun soaking into you, your freezing cold hands and you know drinking here coffee and yeah and then going going home so so you yeah, definitely you know my my experience of uh, swimming at, at at the pool I, I, I was there to be a competitive swimmer and do do my training and, and use it uh, use the pool in that way but definitely there was the, the social experience and and Learning how to get along with adults, you know, the coach, the adult coaches, and uh, very, very formative years. So, I, I, and and that, that's something from all of my, um, my studies is that, uh, but I think that, that a swimming club is a really good, uh, community organization to be involved with as long as, you know, the proviso, you know, as long as it's, it's, inclusive participation and, and that the, the aim is to is to be, be a community sharing that experience and supporting each other in that the experience of swimming and having races and um, and not and the focus is not on what the coach wants to uh, to get someone to a state level, state or national level. Because all those other kids are going to drop away because they'll they realise that that's um, uh, that they're they're a second class citizen if they don't get a state time. Uh, so so that that was a, a tragedy to me as I travelled through, particularly in the country clubs, but I'm sure it's in in the city clubs too. Yeah, you know, Broken Hill and Mildura um, and um, a couple of other places. Yeah, when I I talked to to people, and they said, "Oh, Port Augusta is one place." And they said, "Oh, we used to have you know 50 or 60 kids in our swimming club, but we've got five now you know, because because the emphasis is on um, on competing at state level, and these kids never they they don't want to go to state level. They just want to go to the swimming club, you know, go to the Friday night races, and you know, swim a couple of mornings a week, and you know, have have a have a toasted sandwich before they go to school, and and that that's that, that's the whole experience. It, it's not not the the it's not a, not the end game of um, get, getting a, a yep. qualifying time. So so I think that with, with provisions, I, I think swimming can be a, uh, swimming in a club can be a really good thing, but the parents have to be have to say <laughs> you know, to say to the coach, look. You might have one or two kids who might get to state, but these other sixty, they they just want to swim swim to learn good skills, you know, and and have a, have a social experience, and that that's what youth sport should be.
0: And you think that's do you think that's changed since your uh, career in youth sport, like back when back when you were a junior, or even I mean you a teenager.
1: Yeah, look, I, yeah, well, de- definitely, of course, because um, because you know, sport youth sport has become such a a massive business uh, that uh, uh, and, and so so organised and um, so it, it's just a, a reflection of um, of how all youth sport has has evolved and I think that we you know we really need you know that this social isolating and um, distancing is um, a good opportunity to to rethink it because. Swimming, swimming clubs aren't increasing, and the, n- the number of registered competitive swimmers are stagnating. Um, so, if we're wanting, you know, that that, that bottom up um, feeder feeder system to work, we're going to have to have going to have to encourage more kids to to get into swimming into swimming clubs. But it has to be an end in itself, not necessarily with an Olympic <laughs> Olympic state or national. Um, goal in mind.
0: Yeah, remembering the the sport and the whole point of why you're there in the first place, I guess, which is to have fun and become a better person and all the rest of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's to have the experience, you know. It it might it might be and, and the fun might be improving. It, the fun might be making a new friend. The fun might be realizing you you can can relate to an adult who's not the school teacher, that the grumpy school teacher it might be that just that, that sense of competence to say, Oh yeah, I am having trouble with maths at school but because I, could, I now now I can do backstroke you now without without water going up my nose maybe yeah, I could yeah. <laughs> maybe I could learn learn to do my math because because I worked all summer, you know you know, worked work for ten weeks, you know, to try and master backstroke, maybe I can master my maths now. So it's those those sorts of pleasurable and learning experiences that you can get.
0: It's a fascinating idea that being able to relate to adults as well, because I mean, obviously, you were so successful so young. You must have learnt that so quickly. But like, I'm forty, and I'm not sure I can relate to adults. <laughs> like that <laughs> pressure is um it must have been immense. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess the Olympic Committee needs to look after their athletes and everything as well. It's it's very tough that, for for young kids, I imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, and you know, so uh, from such a young age, once you get good at something, no matter what it is, whether it's playing the flute or. You know, riding a BMX bike or skiing or swimming. You know, if you become recognised, or oh, or oh Shane's a swimmer, or or Fred Fred's a skier, or or Jackie's a, you know, J- Jackie's good on the on the motocross. You know, that becomes your identity. So um, so as you as you're growing up, you know, that becomes you know a big big part of who you are, and uh, unless you, you develop other, other skills and um, have other experiences, you know, whether it be sharing the, the house chores at home um, and not being treated like, like someone that's, that's special, um, yep. having right relationships with your grandparents and your parents and your friends, not, not being treated so special. Well, then, then the transition to, to life after sport you know, is, is much easier. And you then you have a better perspective on, on on the world. But yeah, that that's that's it's a whole it's a really weirding thing, you know, the the whole competitive swimming or com, com, being being a, a successful and well known person. You know, um that that's a that's a whole other story, but um yeah. separate to this pod, podcast, but but yeah, it's um uh, that that that's certainly a big issue, particularly now that um that the stakes are so much higher with, with money involved. When I was younger, there was no no money involved with um, with competitive swimming. It was just rep- representation and records. Um, yeah. And then I guess you know be, being being famous um, as well, but there was no no financial uh, reward So so there's, there's a different dynamic, and 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 sport has become so much more of a, a tool for political diplomacy. So, in fact, our, our athletes are really diplomats, surrogate diplomats. So yeah, so there's a right, whole yeah. whole policy, Australian government policy, you know, um, sport for diplomacy. And so, well, it's not just sport is just a thing, but the people who do the sport, they're the active agents. And so you think you know, Kate Campbell and... Bronte and uh, his sister and um, Cam McAvoy and you know that all those guys, they the the elite swimmers, they're actually diplomats, but they're not trained. <laughs> they're not trained yeah, as diplomats, yeah. you know. So you, I think that's you know where Ian Thorpe had a lot had a lot of trouble, but also he was very good at it. He was very good at being a diplomat because um, he could conduct small talk and and he he could he would read up on the, on the latest things and and be able to conduct that small talk and and be personable and and interested in other people and be interesting and so yep. he was um really sought after like Condoleezza rice <laughs> she yep. uh, it in i think I don't know what 2006 commonwealth games i think or world Championships, I'm not sure which one it was in Melbourne. she requested to sit next to Ian Thorpe watching the swimming so
2: right uh, okay. the
1: world's most powerful woman at the time wanted to um sit next to Ian wanted and to sit so next ian was yeah. was it wasn't wasn't just being a champion swimmer, he was actually being a diplomat, you know, forging um you know political and uh, diplomatic relations between America and Australia. So yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot, lot, lot demanded, you know, of, of athletes yeah. these days, and that, that's very different because the nature of sport is different in, in, in the international context, you know. So, so, so it's all, all, the polit- politics is that the commerce that goes with it, the diplomacy, and uh, you know, power, you know, the, the, the um, exertion of, of power. If you're in uh, certain positions and of influence in sport
0: i often thought the swimmers, that you obviously only see the, the guys that are on the telly, but pretty good at conducting themselves compared to some other sports. I don't know if that's something to do with the, the culture of swimming or maybe you start so young and you, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm making it up, but I've, I've often thought that.
1: Yeah, there is a um, sort of a, a mentorship. Uh, you know, the in, in coaches, the more experienced older coaches uh, teach the... The, the younger coaches and, and so same with the swimming you know the older swimmers uh, are looked up to and copied uh, so the young, younger swimmers copy the older swimmers so so there's a lot of people to, to follow and learn from I think Kieran Perkins was one person I think that was very um, very good at um, talking and uh, relating to the to the media and I think grant Hackett uh, followed him and uh, yeah. but but the thing in in swimming um, uh swimming australia employed um, uh, people to teach people to teach the kids how to how to speak to the media so they had um simulated press conferences
2: right so yeah. they
1: they had a they had, I, I went to I, I went i went to a junior um Training camp in Queensland in 2000, and uh, watched what they did. So the the kids were training, and they'd have these these trial races. And so they'd have a race, and then then this person who was training them would pull them pull them out of the lane and interview them, or interview them from the pool deck. You know, so so they'd lean over, and the person's... yeah,
2: <laughs> so they're stuffed, and yeah.
1: and then ask questions. How does how does it feel to win? <laughs> you know, and this person has to come up with it. You know, and and so 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 they were were, were trained and, and, and practiced, you know, at um, at talking to the to the media, and and then of course if it's a stupid question like how does it feel, well, you know, you, you could be you could say oh it was really. Um, it was a really hard race, or I'm really disappointed or I'd really like to know the splits because it felt like a terrible race, even though I still won yep. you know um or they say, Oh, it feels really good you know and but that's sort of an innocuous sort of answer so so I think the swimmers were tra- are, are trained to um to give interesting and engaging answers that were uh, to 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 Often. <laughs> Pretty poor media questions.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, the questions are never good, so, so are they? So they can t- turn it around. Did you get that training?
1: Uh, no, no. But, I, but my father, because he was involved with marketing, he understood the press. Right, yeah. And so he kind of coached me
2: through it. Yeah,
1: and I was, I was only young. I was, I was only 14, 15, 16. So, um, so I had him... To, um, to,
0: to help, help you me. out, yeah,
1: and my mother too. She 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 was a she was a social worker, so she understood psychology long before you know the psychology was became popular. Yeah. So so to, I was very lucky to have my parents you know, to to help me to manage the media, and then you just sort of learn on the job. You know, yeah. you sort of make make a fool of yourself. You forget people's names, and and you you know don't. Make a big long answer, or make too short an answer, or uh, then you gradually work out what are they really trying trying to ask? Yeah. You know what, what what is the sort of question? What are the sort of answers that they want to sell their paper?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, looking at the, the the footage of you back then, you always seem quite genuine and kind of sweet sort of thing. I guess you were 15, but um, it, it seemed sort of genuine, genuine answers, which is half the battle.
1: De- yeah, de- definitely. And, and, you know, you've got, got to remember that now, what, 40, 40 years later, uh, we're very, um, very conscious, self-conscious of how we look because we can, Snap a photograph of ourselves any time. We can take a video yep. of ourselves. We can, you know, we're we're very. You, you see, see little kids like I've got some grandchildren. one is about eighteen months old, and she she just acts up for the camera. You know, so she, she's she's learnt already yep. about how she looks. You know, and some of those some of those old um older like like street photographs see beautiful black and white street photographs of, of what life was like perhaps in the forties and fifties, nineteen forties and even into the sixties and seventies. Um, people aren't self conscious because they're you know, they're not self conscious of the camera. They don't sort of turn to the camera and smile at the camera. Yep. Um, they they sort of might might just look at the camera and and and, and so, so getting a, a, a genuine <laughs> You know, unposed, unselfconscious conscious um, street photograph is really quite difficult and, and, and that's what I like to do, you know, with, around swimmers. You know, I like, like to capture the moment without the, the pose. You know, I, I really, really like to cap, capture that sort of picture. So, so, <clears throat> so we're very, very much, um, much more self-conscious and so, so it was just my, my naive my naive, naive um, unself consciousness, um, uh, that, that came across when I was younger. And that's why it's so you know, you can can see see the bold confidence of, of people. Um, oh it's quite refreshing you know, really in this decade.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean it's honest.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, it certainly it is, but it's the it's the nature of the nature of the beast, it's how the wheel turns. <laughs>
0: I wanted to ask you, you you grew up a little bit in north epping did you ever swim down at dense park because dense park mm-hmm. was my local i grew up in epping yeah. as well and my gr- oh, my well, grandma was in north epping for you know, for her so, whole life so uh,
1: yes i did yeah for, for a couple of seasons i swam at Dents park and i think that's when i started swimming in the winters but i swam at a in a, in a my, my coach's backyard pool in um i don't know where it was epping or somewhere around there he had a backyard pool okay and but but then in the beginning of the season, now like September, October, when the first the pools first opened, oh, it was so cold. Yeah. You know? And um, no heating
0: back then, probably. The,
1: the pool was in, in the in the shadow. No no heating, and and the pool was in the shadow of a of the building and the lovely bush around it. Uh, yeah, and in in a valley. In a valley, you know? yeah. A little valley, so it was, it was even even colder. So. Um, so, so I did swim at Dent Park. Yeah. Um, uh, I think I was about 11 and 12 okay. uh, when I was in the last two years of primary school. And, yeah, Bruce McDonald was the, the coach there. I couldn't do backstroke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> uh, I, just,
1: I just couldn't work it out. And he he had spent ages and ages trying to teach me backstroke. And eventually, I got, got to, to master it and used it in a... <laughs> yeah. In, in the medley, in the medley to, yeah. to win the olympic gold medal in no four, four years later
0: well, so you got yeah, pretty so, decent at it
1: um <laughs> but it was, look, look, yeah yeah, yeah I look at it now I think god if i only knew <laughs> I only knew then what i know now about how to swim backstroke and all the other strokes actually but, um yeah yeah so Dents park yeah, certainly was a yeah we all have it all have um, memories of different pools. I think, you know, well, not not we all, not not everyone, but certainly they become a space um, where, where memories can be laid down and, and recalled. And uh, yeah, one, one thing about Dense Park be, being like that super cold water. Um, I was you know, skinny as uh, at the time and uh, before uh, pre-puberty. And so I had no fat on me and I'd dive in and honestly I could I could hardly swim a lap you know, <laughs> fifty metres and i had have to get out and it would take me another hour to I just couldn't swim when it was it was just so cold. And now now I know that if it, if you just if you just keep keep moving for a couple of minutes, you know, roll on your back and swim backstroke so you can breathe whenever you need to, then eventually you get get used to it. But um but I had to bounce on the trampoline. So
0: I
2: got,
1: got really good on, on the trampolines at, at Park. Do you remember the trampolines there?
0: Oh, I, I don't. Where were they? Uh,
1: were they there? That they, they might. No, at the deep end, I think.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Anyhow, <laughs> yeah. So I got quite good at doing doing flips on the trampoline. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's a bit of a bid to like. I mean, if there's some kind of debate in the area about whether the pool's going to be knocked down or replaced it. And uh, I think some of this kind of community feeling that, that we've spoken about is trying to save dense Park at the moment. I think they might have succeeded. I'm not sure. There's a bit of a, a, a local uh, debate yeah, going on you know, about think,
1: that. Yeah, I think some organisers yeah, wrote to me. And uh, that, that's a problem with a lot of pools around Australia, in fact, all around the world, because there was a big pool building project in the 1960s. And so... All, all of the, a lot of the pools built in the sixties and early seventies uh, are um, now all got cancer. Uh, yeah. Concrete cancer, or around about the same time. So, so, so save our pool has, is is a, a big mission for a lot of communities, um, and some of them are just just too far gone to to be recovered. They need to be fully dug up and and um, redone, or you know, or they need covering. You know, to to, uh, to to be more functional, to to have indoor spaces, and so yeah, you know, a lot, lot of lot of places are um are uh, uh, are working on that, and it's a wonderful way to to bring people and communities back back together again. But you've got to look forward rather than go go back. So you've got to say, well, is it practical to have the system in an outdoor swimming pool? You know, thinking of. Uh, the energy that's needed to to heat it and build it and uh, re- rebuild it, and maintain it, um, and ma- maybe you know a 25 metre pool with a a couple of um, uh, kind of splash pools and beach and entry beach pools entry, for for yeah. learn to swim and and beat beach entry are a better way to go than a than a big 50 metre pool. And and so so coaches, <laughs> coaches and swimmers too. Would have to get creative, in um, in uh, how to use that water. You know, so if you haven't got a fifty metre length, and you you've got a lot of lot of people in a lane, you know, if you've got 12, 12 to fifteen people in a twenty five metre lane, you've got to get creative on, on how you can can do the training you need to um, to to be a competitive swimmer. So 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 there are a lot, lot of pools around Australia. You know, there, there was a, it was a big um, post-war, um, the Australian government at the time—I don't know which side it was—in <laughs> um, the 60s they put that they gave the states. The federal government gave the states grants to um, to build childcare centres, tennis courts, swimming pools, bowling clubs, and ovals, and libraries, like libraries. Um, so all these community facilities were, were funded, um, and swimming pools were the, one of the beneficiaries. That's why it's such, such a, a big feature in, in people's memories from, from the 1960s and 1970s. And so that ABC documentary was really um, about the pool. Uh, last year it was um, was really this n- nostalgic documentary. Of people, people talking about their childhood experiences in the those 60s, 70s, and 80s, and um, I was kind of disappointed that they didn't, didn't talk to more people, you know, more teenagers. Did, did they have that same nostalgia for their childhood growing up around a swimming pool? So we've got to be careful. You know? yeah. <laughs> Again, this is this is the, as a as a as a researcher and 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 um, you know, looking at things critically you've got to say well, wh- whose perspective yep. whose perspective is it and and from what what perspective do we have so but yep but everyone's perspective is, is valuable but just because it's your perspective it doesn't mean that it's everyone's. So, um, so so this whole whole experience for me you know sw- swimming wasn't that important to me for about 20 years that you know, I, I was very interested in surfing and, and I like to teach swimming to, to people because there was a shortage of teachers and it was a a good summer income for me and my family. And, um, but I personally wasn't really a, an active swimmer uh, for a while, but, so I've even got that perspective, that, that distance
2: yeah. <laughs> perspective yeah. you
1: know, uh, that a lot, lot of people have. So, But it's, it's obviously, um, it's been some, swimming has been something I can enjoy, I've been very successful at, it can keep me healthy. And I enjoy swimming a lot more than, than running or walking. Yeah, <laughs> I like riding a bike, but not too far. But, but swimming is my preferred exercise. So, so it's been, been very, very good to me. But it's a very interesting subject to study as well as a, as a cultural um, activity and a, and a national identity narrative.
0: I guess my because I've kept you for ages, and I really appreciate that. Um, my my last question might be: what What's mm-hmm. next? You, you've you've certainly looked at swimming from almost every angle. Are there any angles left?
1: I'm working on a, a documentary of my thesis, my my doctorate. Um, to try and, uh, and and there's quite a few things that that came out of that that, that didn't get get written down. Didn't, didn't you know, like I, I wrote about a hundred thousand words uh, for the. That was published as the thesis, but I probably did about two hundred thousand yeah so there's a lot of ideas that that became that um, uh, they weren't appropriate to to put in so hopefully to do a a visual documentation of of that so, of, of the thesis so I'm working with a, a filmmaker at the moment on that my husband's doing some really interesting work with um three distinct groups of people. He's he's worked with elite swimmers and helped them to, to win gold medals and at the Olympics and, you know, improve their, their swimming and stay healthy. Like people have had really bad shoulders and he's been able to, to help them to continue swimming with his shoulder safe swimming methodologies. And um so it's about for me a lot. Of, it's about supporting him to get get his his ideas down on paper. So he's trying to put a book together, on yep. um, his ideas, which are very interesting. And then together we we do this fearful swimmer program, and um, uh, and I'm very interested in the culture of swimming in Fiji. So I'd like to go back there and and do some research and document. Um, and areas of uh, swimming culture in Fiji. And I you know, put out some, you know, perhaps write and papers. And um, I'm an adjunct fellow at the, at Victoria University, so I might contribute to my, my swimming understanding, swimming cultural understanding to the university. So, yep. so there'll be just little little projects here and there. Yep. And my husband's also working on, um, on a, a program in Sweden for... Uh, swimming people with disabilities using his, his unique methodologies. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm an observer, a participant observer in in that. So yeah, So that, that sounds brilliant. Uh, very interesting. F- fairly well informed Yeah, yeah So so pl- plenty to do there. Yeah yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I look forward to to yeah. following it all. <laughs> that, that sounds great. No more no more uh, trips back to Survivor.
1: No, no, I think I'm done there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've made the games really hard. You know, you really have to be very physically agile and, and fit. You know, probably i spent spent a year just work, working really physically hard on yoga and gymnastics and um, aerobic fitness and strength, you know, go to the gym three times a week and so it's like. What? I just want to plant some veggies. Yeah,
2: and, yeah. <laughs>
1: prune, prune some trees and 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 you know manage man- manage manage my 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 personal space. Um, put put my physical energies into into that and got um, some building projects and. yeah, So no, I think think that that was a, a really weird experience. That whole survivor thing, but I'm I'm glad I did it. But uh, but I think think uh, think think that that's it but for me. It's done now.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that, that's another.
1: <laughs> Other, other other people have have a go, but uh, but it was cert- certainly an insight into reality TV, and and I gained a lot of confidence in myself, which you, you know you, a lot a lot of successful people have this thing that's becoming better known now, the imposter syndrome,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know, you think think you, you know the imposter syndrome is you think oh I'm not really as good as all these people think I am, or you, know, you put yourself down, or you. I think i'm going to be on a fraud i'm going to be found out that i'm not really suitable for this yep. uh, this task at hand this, this position of responsibility or this presentation and so i think i've been i've been suffered from the imposter syndrome and still do every now and then but being on survivor it gave me the confidence i thought no you are physically capable yes you are socially adept you know yes you are Strategic and, and yes, you can be, be genuine with people and, and play this game and act up to the camera. Yeah, yeah. And be gracious, uh, you know, in defeat and and, and, and win, winning and so so it was uh, it, it served itself well and and then then the ocean
0: and then back to the ocean
1: <laughs> to, to conclude the ocean the ocean is always a challenge. It's always so different here. You know, I live 300 metres from the ocean, and I have a little holiday accommodation place that I'm doing some upgrades on at the moment. And um, yeah, so so I see the ocean change all the time, and uh, and sometimes it's just wild. Like like yesterday, it was just this wild as and and big swell. I'm like, oh, I just love to go out there and get smashed, and you know, catch waves and slide across the face and I you slip know, around and see all that that turning white water, and
2: yeah.
1: and then go beyond the breaking waves when they're calm and just just swim back and forward and look at little fish on the bottom and seaweed and and just feel feel that that lovely breathless you know that that the the breath breathiness of of the activity and feel your tummy muscles working and your shoulders and then you you know the water sliding over your neck and your back and over your feet and. I oh, Just the gloriousness that, that swimming is still for, for me and so many other people.
0: Oh, you've made me want to go for a swim with that description. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to Dr Shane Gould for taking so much time to talk to us about the role of swimming in Australian culture survivor, the Olympics, and never swimming alone. That was actually a bit of a thrill for me. If you'd like any more information on anything that you've heard today, get over to my website at www.thepodpodcast.net. That's www.thepodpodcast.net. I can't promise we're going to have swimming legends on the next episode, but I'll see what I can do. Thanks very much. Take care.